hello everybody and welcome back to the Aviation Avenue podcast. Folks, I'm happy to be back with you recording another episode of our podcast. My name is Braden Piscopo, I am your host. This is episode 122. Uh, we are getting up there, we are almost closer to uh, 130 episodes. Well, more like 125, but we are a lot up there we started this podcast in 2020 and we are just continuing to grow and i'm grateful to all the support you guys give me and with the uh listener support and all that stuff so thank you guys again for all the uh, podcast support if you guys are new and you want to uh listen or follow me on my socials my instagram is aviation avenue pod pod uh pod for the first three letters of podcast and then my youtube channel is aviation avenue uh so we hope you guys uh i hope you follow me and uh, do a lot of things for that so before we get to it a few announcements and then we will jump right in so uh everybody uh this weekend uh april 1st 2023 i will be down at the planes of fame live demo slash hangar talk featuring the p38j lightning uh, i'm very much looking forward to going and seeing it uh i unfortunately cannot stay for the whole thing uh only stay for like the first 10 minutes of hangar talk maybe because uh, i unfortunately have to do something at the time it flies so uh, hope to, i hope to see you guys there and i hope to uh come out and maybe chat with you guys i'll be wearing my uh planes of fame uh, 23 skidoo uh, 465th fighter group t-shirt and my blue miramar fight evolve win hat so everybody i hope to see some of you there and uh i also cannot wait for uh, air shows uh, the march air reserve base uh air show typically on april 22nd and the 23rd uh, i'm very much looking forward to it i really want to go uh see all the aircraft because it's really close to my house more updates on that later so let's get into our topic today so today we're going to be discussing the a-10 thunderbolt or the warthog now uh, this is a ground attack airplane equipped with 30 millimeter uh uh, holds over a thousand rounds of 30 millimeter ammunition. Uh, it's a great aircraft. Uh, our special guest, Major Cody Shiv Wilton, the former A-10 demonstration team pilot, is going to tell us more about this aircraft. So everybody, we hope you guys enjoyed that, and we'll talk to or enjoy it, and we'll talk to you in 45 minutes. We hope you enjoy it. Hello, everybody. My name is Major Cody Shiv Wilton. I'm the demonstration pilot for the A-10 demonstration team, and today we're going to show you the A-10 and do a walk around. First thing, we'll start with the single point refueling. Uh, so when you walk up, maintenance always leaves this open for us. This is where we'll store our pens. Uh, you might see some parts or tools stored in there, or maybe a comm cord if you're going cross country. Uh, but here's where you check your fuel tank. So we got four internal fuel tanks. Those are open and norm right now. Um, so that would be your two wing tanks, one in each wing, left and right. And then you have a left and right uh, internal to the fuselage, which really is fore and aft. Um, Whenever we say right for the airplane, almost every right system is in the leading edge or the front side, and the left system would be in the aft. So if you're saying left or right hydraulics, left or right fuel tank, it's fore and aft if it's in an in internal configuration. Uh, as we move around the airplane, so right here you can see actually the uh, slat. So it's called a slat. This is not a true slat in an airplane sense. So this does not generate lift. It doesn't let me land the airplane any slower. It does nothing but smooth airflow into that engine above the wing. 
because the engine is actually above the trailing edge of the wing. Um, so as you are coming in or at a high AOA, this slat will pop open. It'll smooth that airflow off the leading edge of the wing, so it goes internal to the engine. Without that, you might get a compressor stall. Uh, another design characteristic is when you shoot the gun, this will pop open. So again, it smooths that airflow, and it helps divert some of that gun gas underneath the wing. Um, so that it doesn't go down the motor because then that could suffocate the engine. That's also this right here. This is just a wind fence. So you shoot the gun, the gun gas comes, and it just tries to divert more of it down the fuselage. So if our airplane was dirty like the normal A-10 you'd see on the ramp, you, it would be real dirty right here and a little bit dirty over here and down the side. But a lot of that gun gas is going to concentrate underneath the airplane because if it goes down the motor, there's just there's no oxygen in gun gas, so it's going to suffocate it. Um, so all that that's all that is right there. Uh, as we move forward, you know you got your normal antennas, VHF radios, FM radios, uh, UHF radio up there. Uh, you got TACANs uh, and stuff like that. But really, this what people are more impressed with this side of the airplane is the gun. So you can kind of see the gun out the front of the aircraft. The whole gun and drum system comes all the way back to about here. It is massive. So everything internal to here was built around that gun, and that's why they say the airplane built around the gun. Uh, even the offset nose gear, which we can talk about in a little bit, we'll take a look at. I'll go ahead and pop this panel here. You guys can take a look at the gun system. Sorry, I'll take my time. Some of these are a little sharp. Alright, so right here inside this is the best panel to kind of get a look. So you can see where the drum starts and goes back. It holds 1150 30 millimeter rounds. Uh, each round is a little bit bigger than like a Coke bottle. Um, and then you have the hydraulic drive driving the gun, which is then forward of that. So the seven barrels, uh, the system is dual hydraulically driven. So you have uh, each the right and left side hydraulics. So if one engine is operating and the other is not, you can still shoot the gun. It just shoots a half rate as opposed to the full rate with both hydraulic systems operating. You can also see the belt system right here, which is where the rounds would be carried on um, that drive it from the uh, drum back into the gun and then back out, it'll take the empty shells back to uh, the drum. So it stores the empty shells in there because the weight is so important to the uh, center of gravity of the airplane. Um, so without these rounds in there, you would actually put ballast in the nose on an empty gun because we need to uh, help with the center of gravity. 1,150 rounds of bullets equals about 4,000 pounds. They're about three pounds each. Um, so you need, with 4,000 pounds up here in the nose, you obviously got to offset that when you don't have it in the airplane. And so anytime you hear someone tell a story where the, the shells were raining down, it's not true. We keep our shells. We need the weight in the front of the airplane. Uh, we need it to stay in there for us. Um, so, as, you, as I was saying, all of this is gun. Up above this is obviously the cockpit, and you can't really tell, but those are that's all titanium surrounding this gun. So if this gun were to blow up, it does not penetrate that cockpit at all. Um, we are completely safe up there. And... Uh, other mechanisms we have up here, so obviously we got the nose wheel nose wheel tire which is offset again to accommodate the gun being down the center line of the airplane so the gun is directly down center line um, in here we have sort of some old but still yet great systems on the airplane so we have a TEM system so even the A-10 you know built and designed in the 70s we got a computer system they can download codes uh, they can see what the engines are doing how they're performing 
uh, in some of the other systems on the jet. So it does have some computer systems in there. Um, here you can see the ballast uh, that we got loaded up in this airplane. Again, that's just for the CG uh, because the gun is empty right now. Zapped. Even zapped. <laughs> Always zapped. Uh, other systems that you can tell from in here. Uh, so you have up front, we have our emergency accumulator for our hydraulics. Uh, and you would have to take a look right up here. So our reservoir, so emergency hydraulic system. So you got a left, right, left side, right side, and then you got a backup emergency side uh, that we can utilize um, for braking. And then this is actually just it's a windshield wash. So that gun gas gets the windscreen dirty. Uh, you can just hit that, and it'll throw some windshield wash. But better not be above the freezing level, or else you're just going to ice yourself over. Uh, and then up front, obviously, we got the gun. So seven barrels. Some barrels of freedom, 70 rounds a second, 4,200 rounds a minute. Uh, there is no limit on the firing for the op side for me on how many rounds I could fire at any given time. There's just two different schedules we put on the gun. So if the gun has ever fire, fired more than 100 rounds per minute, then that will drop the lifespan of those barrels. But it doesn't mean we can't keep shooting it. It just means we got to change them out at 10,000 rounds versus 15,000 rounds. Um, those aren't the exact numbers, but just an example there. And then if it's never shot more than 100 rounds per minute, we call that a training schedule. So training schedule would be never more than 100 rounds per minute. And that's just to save the life of the barrels. We can change them out maybe every 15,000 rounds now. Combat schedule, we're going to shoot more than 100 rounds per minute. Those are going to get changed out a little more often. But the gun itself, so again, I showed you where the drum is, the hydraulic drives back there. It's also, I mean, this thing is, it's extremely accurate. So the it's... 5 mil um, precision is what we call it, so 80% of the rounds will hit within a 5 mil circle. Uh, mils being milliradians out there, so at uh, 1,000 feet, 5 mils would be 5 feet. Um, so 80% of your rounds are going to hit within a 5 foot circle, and that's at 70 rounds a second. So if you throw the HEI rounds in there, those are have about the same frag ring as a hand grenade, so that's 70 hand grenades within a 5 foot circle at 1,000 feet. Um, so, up there? Uh, yep, so up on the top, and this is why our nose is all beat up and everything, it's the most common question we get at air shows, is our air refueling receptacle. The reason ours gets so dented compared to other people up here is one, it's just sheet metal, so there's no driver to fix that. It's not negatively affecting the characteristics of the airplane at all. The airplane is already draggy enough, this isn't going to do anything different to it. Um, when it goes to depot and gets a full repaint, they'll usually pull that off. They'll pop these rivets, pull it off, and they'll bang those dents out. Um, but the reason we get a lot of those dents is because it's right in front of the pilot. The tendency is for the pilot to try to plug himself, but it's the boom operator's job to plug you. So you need to get in position, be patient, let him plug the airplane. But, you know, guys focus, especially at night or in bad weather, and they're just locked in on that boom, and it's just two people trying to do the same thing, and you, you get a little dent. As a reminder not to do that again. So this scoop, I was going to get to that next actually. So this is uh, cooling. So after you fire the gun, uh, this is just bringing in cool air to cool those barrels. And the gun will rotate after you fire for a few seconds to move the barrels into that cool air stream so they cool evenly. Um, all mechanically controlled uh, system. We also have what's called uh, precision attitude control that engages with the gun. So as you come in and you shoot that gun and you fire, the jet does a whole bunch of things at the same time, which is it's amazing technology considering when it was built. 
but we have a stability augmentation system, so it'll actually take sort of a rudimentary autopilot and it'll lock down that airplane so the gun won't pull you off target. You don't have to hold it there. As soon as I pull the trigger, the airplane locks in and it doesn't move. And as long as I'm holding that trigger down, it is locked in and it's going to continue to put the bullets in that same circle without falling off. It could be turbulent, I could hit wind, it doesn't matter. It's going to lock in right where it's at. Uh, the other thing it'll do is it'll pop those slats like I talked about. The slats will come out. It also starts firing the igniters and the motors again because of that gun gas. Uh, just in case it's trying to suffocate the engine, it's going to fire off and light right back up um, as it's going. So all these things it does just by you pulling the trigger. Um, but the lock-in, the pack, is what amazes people the most. It does not come off target at all uh, once you start pulling that trigger. The... Uh, Moving back, so we have some upgrades. We have the two lights, uh, landing and taxi light. This is a change where it used to be for NVGs, so we can land on a darkened field with NVGs on, takeoff and landing, and then you, you'd put a filter on here. Now with these LED versions, we don't have to put a filter. So uh, you can just go out there and where your NVGs land, and you got the Invis lighting out there for you. So you look at this tire, and it looks like, so one, the directional control of the airplane. Obviously, this is not going to get a great a load of traction, but the traction is really coming from those rear tires. The front tire is not giving you all that traction when you land. The cord is just showing you the wear. Uh, if you look on the side of the tire, it'll actually tell you the cut limit, 732s. It'll also tell you how many ply the tire is, 14 ply. And then some of them will tell you exactly how many cords you can see. And then some you just have to know based on the type of tire. But uh, typically it's even four cords but you'll see white cord white cord and then you'll see a red cord and once you see that red cord that tire is done uh, but that's uh that's it so it's pretty easy you just look if you don't have red cords you got a good tire and uh, no deep cuts deeper than 732 730 seconds of an inch um, let's see here so it says liquid oxygen this is no longer liquid oxygen so this jet's upgraded it's got an obog system so onboard oxygen generating system uh, so it creates its own oxygen from the engine bleed air, uh, which is a whole lot of magic that not a lot of people would understand, but including myself. Um, but yeah, it creates its own oxygen there. Uh, this right here, so this is actually just an old stanchion. So we had what was called the paved penny back in the day. You can kind of see it. It looks like a little mole hanging off the front of the airplane when it's flying. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, but it would pick up a laser spot. So it was a rudimentary laser spot uh, system. Uh, so you can go in and find targets with that. And that was designed in the 70s. It was on the airplane forever. Um, we hadn't used it in a long time, but because the airplane was aerodyna aerodynamically tested with that system on there, we couldn't just rip it off. We had to actually retest the airplane, refly it, make sure it didn't affect the stall characteristics and everything that we've been training to. Um, so that's why you see these. So this was just holding that pylon on there. And pretty fairly recently, within the last five years, when we got rid of that. Uh, moving back, so now this is this is our O-Box, so these bent out, uh, they just got to clean them every day. Uh, when you start up the airplane, they're, they're ports for that O-Box system and those filters. Uh, so you don't want those getting clogged up, you know, by bugs or debris or anything like that. So we'll clean that up. Uh, moving down further from the airplane, so a lot of these are just electrical systems, uh, circuit breaker panels, all that, old school avionics. So the, remember this was built in the 70s, just like the F-15C. So there's a lot of room in there for avionics that were original to the airplane but are no longer there. You know, as we've upgraded, things have gotten smaller, more compact, require less airflow, and all that. Second side, wind fence, obviously same, slat, same as the other side. And then all these parts are interchangeable, by the way. That's a great part of the A-10. So this slat can work on that side, that slat can work on this side, 
this main landing gear tire can be over here, or you flip it around, you can throw it over there. Um, all of it's interchangeable. Engines are interchangeable to each side as well. Uh, right here, so the gear pod, uh, as the gear come up, so our nose gear goes all the way up, that door closes, you can't see it, but these mains come up and they actually stick out about down to here, um, so you can see those tires as you're flying. And then the front of this pod, this right here is just an ILS antenna, so that's why it's painted black versus the other side. There's just an antenna on there. Anytime you see an antenna on the airplane, it's painted black. Uh, it's standard for us. But as those gear come up, so that gear comes up in here and it sticks out a little bit, it actually can still turn. I can still use brakes on that. So if for whatever reason my hydraulics are failed, my gun blows up, so my nose gear is blown out, so I'm gonna land gear up, I can still hit the brakes once I land with my emergency system and stop the airplane uh, and it'll just cruise to a stop it might grind up the flaps a little bit in the back but otherwise typically when we have an airplane laying gear up it's flying within a week easily fixed um, here so this is it's a demo tail and by demo tail this is a combat coated airplane but we just reduce some weight a little bit so normally we have these pylons on here there'd be 11 right now there's only four uh, we take them off for demonstrations one uh, to get further across country so less drag less weight um, getting across country so taking off those seven pylons reduces the airplane's weight by about 2500 pounds uh, so that gets us some further legs and saves the taxpayer some money on gas uh, and then also it just makes for a better demonstration with a lighter airplane um, so we take seven of those off. So this is uh, station nine right here. You would have station 10, kind of where you see this, um, in those holes right there, you'd have another pylon. And then that's station 11. Um, and then inboard, you would have them all the way down uh, across the fuselage. Uh, typically on station nine, so station nine is a heavyweight pylon. You can put a heavy, heavier piece of munition on here. Um, but usually we're carrying Maverick, so the AGM-65 Maverick, we'll throw it on three and nine. So it has a connector back here. That's the one where we can see the video in the cockpit uh, and watch it lock on and then fire and forget missile for most models. Um, station 10, normally we'd have a targeting pod on here. That's where we get our camera, um, laser designator, IR marker, IR camera. Um, it's just one amazing pod with a whole lot of capability that has a really increase the mission effectiveness for the A-10 and was a big part of the A-10C model upgrade was integrating that and making an integral part of the airplane uh, every time we fly. So to see an A-10 in combat, it normally will have a pod right here that has that camera system. And then on the outboard station, so these are smaller. So this is back half is actually the aileron actuator. Uh, the front half is pylon, so it can't carry. You couldn't put a 2,000 pounder on this, but I can put a 2,000 pounder on that uh, station nine pylon. Um, so your outboard two pylons are a different type of pylon. They're just a little bit smaller, uh, but you can't put a 2,000 pounder. You can put 500 pound munitions on here all day though, no issues. Uh, AIM nines, we would carry them out here on this station or on the other side, on station one or 11. Uh, and same with like an ECM a jamming pod, uh, we put those on one or 11 as well. Moving outboard, um, so all we got out here is the pitot boom on the front side, and then uh, as you move out, another part of the C model upgrade, we have our missile warning system uh, detectors up there. Uh, so they can detect a missile launch for us. They can determine we pre-program a cocktail that we wanted to put out based on the threat in the area, and it's gonna start dumping out that chaff, uh, or sorry, the flare for us uh, in that pre-program system. And it'll, it just allows us, because you only have two or three seconds before it, from the time that missile launches until it hits you uh, when they're flying Mach 3, that 
it, you only got those two seconds. So it'll detect it at first, it'll put out some flares, and now we can look over and find it and maybe go back and strike it afterwards, but the jet's already trying to save our life. Um, here, these four canisters are, uh, you can put chaff or flare in that. Um, and you actually have a switch right here that'll just say chaff or flare, and you tell it uh, that easy. So typically on the wings in combat, you'll see chaff. Uh, if there is an air-to-air -air or a surface-to-air missile threat, you'll have the chaff in the wings so that the wingtip vortices disperse that chaff a little bit better. And then underneath the landing gear, is, I'll show you in a second, is where you got the flares so that they come out behind the engines. Uh, we'll move on. Here we got the uh, uh, deceleron, really, is what it's technically called. We call it the aileron, but it's a deceleron. So uh, it splits open to be a big old speed brake barn door. And that's what lets us do 60 degree dive angle bombs uh, if we want to, or 60 degree strafe, uh, really almost coming down directly at the ground, you know? And you can just pop those open, slow it down and uh, get it out there, or you can just slow the jet down really easily. And you'll typically see us land with the speed brakes open and that just keeps the motor spooled up. So if we have to do that go around, we just close the speed brakes and we're off. Inboard, we got the flat flaps, sorry, two sets of flaps <clears throat> on there. You can get up to 20 degrees of flaps on it. Uh, the flaps do have an automatic system where they will uh, raise and lower at certain airspeeds, but we do it manually. We don't rely on that system to do it, but it, it's there to back you up in case you forget. Uh, on the main gear tire back here is where I was talking about those flares. So you have four buckets where you can put flares, and these flares would dispense out and go right past the back of the engine. And so that engine heat, with a missile's locked onto that engine heat, it's going to pick up that flare pretty easy because it's coming right through the exhaust. Uh, so the main landing gear V-speeds are uh, 200 knots, so you want to get them up or down 200 knots. Uh, the mains can land up to 165 on the ground, and then the nose can go up to 204 uh, on the ground. So they're pretty forgiving as far as landing speed in the A-10, and then obviously they got big, beefy brakes. Uh, in this entire design, I mean, you look at the size of this tire versus what's on a F-35 or F-16, and it's because we can land on those austere fields. So you can land it on a dirt strip, no problem. Uh, highway, wherever you want to land, you're going to get it down, you're going to stop it pretty quick. Uh, typically not a problem at all. This is the same as a CF-34 motor that's on a lot of uh, Canada Air Regional Jets, the CRJs, um, except this is older. So it's a TF-34, which is a military version. Uh, the only thing different about this is it's mostly analog. It doesn't have a lot of digital controls. Um, so the fuel control is still analog in our motors where almost all commercial motors at this point have digital fuel controls which really meters it out and gets max performance out of it. This one, you got to have a good engine troop to get up there and, and really tune it up for you. Um, as you move back, so each engine on there has its own generator. Each engine has its own hydraulic system and they can each work independently and also together at the same time. <clears throat> so I told you those left and right systems. Uh, so when we talk about left hydraulics, left hydraulics are in the aft portion of the wing um, for the most part. So if you took damage to the aft of the wing, you might lose your left hydraulic system. But your right system is in the front side of the wing. So now you got your right system, which can power everything that the left can power for you, and you have no issues uh, stopping the airplane. And then we also have what's called manual reversion on the airplane. Uh, when that, that goes wrong. Same with generators, left generator, right generator, they each can power either side. Uh, uh, formation lights, so we got these right here. They light up green at night, you would turn them on. Typically, you'll only see those uh, in training. Uh, we actually don't use those in combat at, at that much. In combat, we're almost always lights out, completely dark. 
and flying with procedural deconfliction between the formation. But you got formation lights, you got Invis lights too. We have lights that you can only see um, under NVG. Uh, you wouldn't be able to see them uh, without NVGs on. Uh, down on the bottom, these are our uh, radar altimeter um, sensors. So they're set on the side. We actually got one on the tail as well. But that way when you bank up the airplane, um, you also have that radar altimeter, which it's always designed. So even at you know 120 degrees of bank rolling in at a target, uh, you'll have a radar altimeter telling you how high you are above the ground. The rudders are powered, one, they're both powered by each hydraulic system, but they're tied together as well. So one hydraulic system, each one's, so the right one's powered by the right, the left one's powered by the left, but then they're tied together uh, via tube, and then, so you can operate on both via that linkage. Same with the elevators, so they're also um, powered each individually, right side by the right hydraulic, left by the left hydraulic, but they're tied via a torque tube, and uh, they will operate together. Um, so if you're in that manual reversion mode, you still got it. The missile warning systems on the back, the little black round antennas are our radar warning receivers. Um, so we don't have a radar ourselves, but we can tell when somebody's trying to target us with their radar, we'll pick up uh, via those receivers and we'll be able to get a display in the airplane on where it's coming from. Um, let's see. These uh, trim tabs actually, so we can talk a little bit about the manner version system. So we have the left hydraulics, right hydraulics, power and flight controls. If you lose both of those, we have what's called the manual reversion system, uh, which then, again, the A-10 is not fly-by-wire, so it's all cables, but it will change the way you're providing inputs to the controls to now fly these trim tabs. So you're flying the trim tabs at that point on the elevators and the ailerons, so you don't need the hydraulic system. So it, it really results in a mushy control feel. It's not something you want to land an airplane with. We've had people do it and survive. We've had some do it and not survive uh, attempting to land it, but it's actually not recommended to land the airplane in that system. It was designed so if you took battle damage in combat, severe battle damage, and you lost all hydraulics, uh, well, now you can f still fly the airplane back to friendly territory and you can eject where the good guys are uh, versus where the bad guys are. Here we got the uh, APU to the aircraft. So within this, it's just a mini jet engine, essentially. I, I can't pop that panel without the quarter turns. It's just a little mini jet engine for the APU. Uh, ours is extremely reliable, extremely efficient. You can actually leave it running the whole sortie while we're flying, and it'll keep running uh, unless you're going to go above about 20,000 feet. Um, so just a little extra oomph on the air conditioning if you want it. Uh, we use it on the ground to keep air conditioning, but we also use it to start the motors. Uh, so this is what keeps the A A-10 sustained on the ground by itself without needing any equipment uh, to land, turn the jet, and then get back running without plugging anything into the airplane. Uh, you flip that APU on, it's just, it starts via battery power. Uh, it'll come on, you throw a generator on, you can power all your electronics that way. And then it also has a hydraulic control. Uh, if you need to do some work on the uh, hydraulics for the airplane, they just flip this lever, and they can power the left side hydraulics or right side hydraulics, or they can turn them off with the APU, and then you can power them with the motors. Um, so you can do a whole lot of maintenance with only the APU as well running. Um, let's see. Moving forward. So the engines, here's where I was talking about the flow. So that airflow coming off the front of the wing versus the back and having to smooth that out. Unlike on a civilian high engine design like the MD-88, you have a big break between the wing and the engine and it doesn't get that rough air. You don't need a slat design specifically for that. But here is where it's actually visible that the engine does overhang that wing 
Um, so it's not sucking up clean air, it's sucking up the wing that's coming dirty off the top of that, or sucking up the air coming dirty off the top of that wing, I mean. Again, each engine is interchangeable, so the engine design, uh, part of the design characteristics, characteristics as well, so this engine is designed, if it burned up, it shouldn't penetrate the fuselage. It should stay right here on the wing, or it should fall off. But there's engine mounts that it's mounted to, but it will not penetrate the fuselage. So that's design and theory. That's how it's supposed to work. I've never seen one go poorly, so I've never seen one have to fall off either. Um, but I have had a significant engine fire, and it, it was just fine. Um, the, the other part of it, the design, is the, this uh, vertical stab being outside the motors on both sides. So if you look back and you kind of take a good look at it, and you're a guy on the ground trying to get a man pad, an IR missile to lock onto that engine exhaust, which one, it's not afterburning. That's part of the design of the A-10. If it was afterburning, it'd be easy to lock onto down low with those IR missiles. So this non-afterburning engine doesn't generate as much heat. It's harder to get a lock. Then you put these big vertical stabs up here in giant rudders, and now it's deflecting kind of some of that exhaust. You can't see it from the side. So now you've taken away that side shot from that IR missile. Um, so it's really kind of forcing them to get that rear aspect shot. And once they take the rear aspect, that means I'm already running away from them and it's less likely to get a hit. So the entire design of the airplane is to make it survivable down low. Um, obviously the combat environment is changing and we're changing along with it with our upgrades like the missile warning system. Uh, we also have helmet mounted queuing systems for the monocles of sight to uh, engage enemies. And then we have those targeting bots as well so we can see actually what's happening on the ground. At Ralph's, we want our fresh produce to meet your expectations, which is why we're dedicated to doing up to a 27-point inspection on our fruits and veggies, checking for things like scarring. In fact, only the best produce, like zesty oranges and crisp carrots, reach our shelves. Because when it comes to fresh, our higher standards mean fresher produce. Ralph's, fresh for everyone. And right now, stock up on your favorites during the 10 for 10 sale. Mix and match participating items and get 10 for just $10 with your card. Ralph's, fresh for everyone. All right, so now let's go take a look at the cockpit of the hog. Coming up, we didn't talk about, so here's where you would release the door, the ladder, open the canopy. You can do all that from the exterior via this little panel. Here where it says rescue, this is if I'm locked in the airplane, i.e. I, I crash, gear up, or something like that, the canopy is still down, and someone needs to get me out, they just pop that open, grab that handle, and they run, because that canopy's gonna get jettisoned off by some charges, and it's uh, gonna come down hard, but not on me, luckily. Typically when I climb in, you know, I, obviously I'm in the ACES 2 ejection seat right now, um, so you inspect your seat, make sure it's saved. Here we got it saved and we got pins in, uh, so the seat isn't going anywhere. And then we talked about that canopy jettison capability, so we got a little pin in that to make sure that's not going anywhere right now. And then down here, so we can just move up the panels and across the way I do my normal flow. Uh, so here's my radio and intercom volume controls. Uh, this is my FM VHF radio right here. This is a UHF radio. And then this one can be FM, VHF, or UHF. It's an ARC 210. Uh, controls it can be whatever you want. It can be on uh, ComSec, um, Secure Comms, HaveQuick, all that. Over here is where I can control some of those emergency systems that I was talking about. So my speed brake emergency retract, again, if I take battle damage, I'm going to flip that. It's going to isolate that hydraulic system. Flap emergency retract, again, 
hit that, it isolates a hydraulic system that lets the flaps come up if they were down when I took that damage. I can disengage ailerons and flight controls if they get damaged and locked in place. I can just disengage it and fly it with the other side. Same with the elevator, I can disengage the left or right one if it's locked up and jammed, and these, these lights will tell me if it's jammed. Um, I can disengage those and then fly with the other side. It can also re-engage it if I disengage the wrong one. Um, here's where I would put it in that manner version setting, so take it from norm to manner version. Uh, pretty easy. And then here I got a backup uh, trim system. Uh, for this trim, this is it uses the same trim motors, it's not separate trim motors. It's more just if my switch on the stick breaks, I have another place where I can trim out the airplane. IFF panel, so identi an identification friend or foe. Uh, everyone's familiar with that in your squawk. Um, here, this is uh, lasty control panel. Um, and this is where I can just control my autopilot, uh, turn on that pack system, my radar altimeter, I can turn those on here. Here I got the yaw SAS and pitch SAS. So that SAS system, SAS stands for stability augmentation system. Uh, the A-10 obviously is an ugly airplane. It's also uh, not very well coordinated. So while it's stable, it's just not super coordinated without a stability augmentation system. Um, so every time you were to bank it up when this is not working, um, the airplane wants to pr uh, produce some adverse yaw there away from the turn. So it's gonna pitch, ditch the nose out of the turn, uh, which is just uncomfortable. Um, so this SAS system will stop that, and this SAS system is what also helps with that uh, shooting the gun and the precision uh, attitude control system. Here we can just control some lights. So like I said, we have our refuel status lights. It just tells us if it's ready. Weapon station status lights, that's an old system off the A model. Um, but here, INVIS lights, so I can turn those off or on. Turn on my INVIS, which means it's the night vision, night vision lights, so you can only see them if you get the night vision on. Fuel control panel right here, so boost pumps on. Make sure these are pushed in. External tanks, if you have them, turn them on, which is literally just as simple as wing ones or fuselage or both. Uh, you turn it on, and then that's it. Here you can fix any issues. You can cross-feed so the left side can fit, feed the right side. They don't automatically. It's not a self-balancing fuel system. So you got the left side, the right side. If you want the uh, left side to feed the right motor, then you gotta turn that cross-feed on. And then the tank gate just will, is what helps you balance them out. So you can open up a gate a valve in between the left and right system that'll help even out the tanks if uh, for one or sort of any reason you have one that's uh, heavier or lighter than the other. Landing gear, standard landing gear up here and uh, override systems and then here's kind of our weapons armament and control panel right here. So master arm safe train obviously uh, we're safe here. Gun pack so arm up the gun there so typically combat or in training you want to shoot the gun you go master arm arm gun pack arm. That gun pack arm is one what lets you shoot the gun, but also turning pack on up here is what uh, gives you that precision attitude control. If you go down, you just get gun arm, and you wouldn't have that pack system, so you're going to kind of spray bullets everywhere. Uh, laser, so this is for a targeting pod, the laser designator. If we want to use that, you got to arm it. We also have a training mode for that, and then TGP stands for targeting pod, so to turn that targeting pod itself on. We have various altitude sources, so you can use Barrow, Delta, Radar, Radar being the Radar Altimeter, Delta being a Delta based on the altitudes if you don't trust uh, your Barrow source or your position in space, i.e. Your, your system you think is wrong, uh, GPS system. Uh, for the HUD we got day mode and night mode. Night mode is just a uh, red filter, so it's a little easier on the eyes at nighttime instead of just dropping the intensity. And then norm and standby. Uh, norm is just what you'd normally see on the HUD and what you would picture the A-10 having in the HUD. Standby is a backup mode. If that HUD fails, I can throw it in standby. I get a rudimentary gun pipper, and I can shoot rockets in the gun off of that, no problem, and it's still pretty accurate, and we train to it.
Uh, QQ is my central computer uh, to the airplane jitters. It's actually a mislabeled switch. We've changed that system, but it turns on a saddle radio. And then IFC is my fire control computer. Uh, that controls uh, pretty much everything when it comes in relation to what I'm seeing in the HUD uh, versus how it's integrating with the weapons. Standby attitude indicator, uh, airspeed indicator. This is my radar warning uh, receiver, so if I'm picking up any radar hits, uh, someone lighting me up, it's going to show me what quadrant that's in. Here's where I can kind of control my chaff, flare, and countermeasures dispenser system. Uh, VVI, uh, air, uh, altimeter, sorry, it's hot outside. Got my attitude indicator, HSI here, and then some, some circuit breakers up here that I can reset myself. Uh, also, if I want to aux landing gear extension right here, so if I lose all my hydraulics, I just want to drop the gear. As you saw on the bottom, the gear come forward and back, so the wind helps push those down into place. Uh, so really, when I pull that, it just undoes the locks that are holding it up, and it just lets them fall with gravity and wind, uh, pushing them back into place. Uh, AOA indicator, didn't talk about that, but angle of attack, uh, we do use that from time to time especially when you're trying to fly max range uh, or LD max, max endurance uh, on the airplane. Or if you want to know you're in a spin, then uh, you would have to reference that, but it's pretty hard to get the A-10 in a spin. Uh, as we're looking at our airspeed indicator here, normally, you know, in a Cessna, you would have, you know, your green, yellow, red, and your tick marks for where you're taking off at, where you're landing at, your V-speeds and everything. Uh, so for the A-10, we talked about uh, the gear speed being 200 knots. Your takeoff speed is usually around 135 to 140. You just start to pull back gently on the stick about 10 knots prior to your rotate speed, which you would calculate daily, um, and then the airplane will just gently lift off the ground. So depending on your, your load that you have on the airplane, you could have up to 17,000 pounds of ammunition. That's going to change your rotate speed. Um, so depending on how much you have loaded up, how much gas you got on the airplane, that'll determine that, and you'll run those numbers before you even get out to the airplane. But typically between 135 and 145, uh, 10 knots prior, you lift up, it rotates off, and then you just gently let the airplane accelerate, gear up, flaps up before 200, and then we usually climb out around 200 knots and just let the airplane get the altitude for us. Um, coming in to land, so on the back end of that, again, we drop the gear at 200, and then landing speed is usually anywhere between 135, 134 uh, to could be as high as 156 if you're single engine or you don't have any flaps working that day. But typically your normal landing speed is going to be somewhere between 134 and 140, depending on how much ammunition you have on the jet, how heavy you are coming home. Um, the, let's see, MFCD. So MFCD stands for multifunction color display. You got 20 different OSBs, buttons on here, and options. Those options change based on what screen you're on. Uh, so these things, again, multifunction, it's right in the name. So I can see here, I can look at a moving map display of where I'm at, where my threats are, where my targets are, where the friendlies are. I can have all that on this display. Um, and then over here, I can have that targeting pod with a video camera on the enemy uh, looking at exactly what they're doing or generating coordinates. I could be shining a laser on him, uh, getting precise coordinates for those GPS-guided weapons. Or I could guide in with that same system, guide in a, a laser maverick or a laser rocket. Um, off the airplane. The, I could also just throw up a normal steer point page. I can change my IFF settings up here. I can change my 
Uh, I have a CSAR survivor page that I can use to help me find a survivor out there if we're looking for somebody. Um, the what else? status page, so it'll tell me if I have any um, failures or systems going down that are tied into that central computer. Uh, a lot of my weapon systems, a lot of the weapon stations and the weapons themselves, uh, they're tied in digitally to the airframe, uh, so I can look at the status of those stations up here. And then also my satellite data link, so I can see my wingmen, I can see flight leads, I can see other airplanes out there, I can see the F-35 out there um, if I want to. And I can also look at them, whoa, I can... Whoa. I thought the F-35 was stealth. Oh, he's, he's communicating with me via data link. So with that data link, so these are the upgrades of the A-10. So our upgrades, while the A-10 exterior looks the same, our upgrades are weapons and employment focused to make it more capable on the battlefield. Uh, so while, yep, my attitude indicator, my HSI is all just old school uh, round dials, up here, I can sit here and click on another A-10. I can see what weapons he has. I can see how much gas he has on his airplane. I can send him a message with a target that says strike this. And I can even laze that target, send that point to him. He can look down with his eyeballs, see it on the ground, and he can find it instantaneously and start striking that target. So within 30 seconds on a battlefield as a forward air controller, I could have everyone on the picture that's on the link exactly eyes on on that convoy via just pushing the pushing a little button and broadcasting that information on the data link. Extremely capable when it comes to that. Again, I talked about that monocle, so that's where I can see. I can see my wingman in the air. It'll put a little dot on him. I can see if uh, anyone else that I'm working with that's on the link with me. I can see what their point of interest is. So whatever they deem important to broadcast to the other air airplanes, I can see that. So if a F-16 has somebody locked up with his radar, it'll actually show me the F-16 with a line and what he's got locked up, and I can see where that enemy is out there in the sky. I can also just, like I said, broadcast. If I find a tank on the ground, I want to broadcast that to the F-15 Strike Eagles that are out there and say, hey, hit that target. Now I can just look on the ground, broadcast it. I can look at it and make it a target and then send that to him, and now he can look at it and get it in his system just like that. Uh, so it all works together. Everything, the digital upgrades and the weapons upgrades are really amazing stuff that we've gotten. All right, so now moving out off the MFCDs down to our edging gauges. So temp, so we don't use N1, N2 uh, like they do on the civilian side as much. Uh, but you have your high pressure section, low pressure section, which again, uh, low pressure is N1, high pressure is N2, correct, on the civilian side? I believe so. Um, temps, exhaust gas, temp, fan speed. So that's my low pressure turbine um, fan. Is just my fan on that turbofan engine. My core RPM. So now that's going to be my high pressure section. Fuel flows right here, uh, and then oil pressures for each motor, and then you, just for your APU right here. These are the only two gauges you got. You got the the RPM, and then you have the exhaust gas temperature on that guy. Uh, the AT APU has got a smart system on it, so if anything is wrong with it, it'll just shut itself down. Uh, so typically you just start it up and you can almost ignore it except you want obviously you got a firelight here for it that you want to look and watch for uh, there are some indications but for the most part it'll just shut itself down if something is wrong hydraulic uh, peanut gauges right here so just the little guys again left side right side uh, hydraulic system looking usually for about 3,000 psi is what we carry our fuel totalizer so here you can have you can check like total internal fuel it's not going to change now but main wing, external wing, external center. So all that will change um, based on what you got. And then up here is your fire handles. So left for APU and then right motor. Uh, if you pull that handle, 
it's going to isolate it so it's going to take away bleeder it's going to take away fuel the engine's going to starve and then you have a fire extinguisher agent right here that you can hit and it'll blow it into that motor um, so you have two squib is what we call it two squib systems if you hit it to the left side it blows the left side but the left side will go to whichever handle is pulled so uh, the left and right is just referencing what squib it is but it will go anywhere where I pull a fire handle that's where it's going to discharge that agent um, so on the left motor if I have that fire I hit the left side it blows the left side into the left engine I can still hit the right side and blow that right side into the left engine uh, up here we got our upfront controller so we can enter uh, radio frequencies, you can enter steer points, um, you can change a whole lot within the uh, system up here. You can change your IFF, your squawk, uh, you can go secure comm, have quick radios, all that change up here, and you can also change your pippers on what you're seeing in the HUD. Um, so most of that is controlled here. Old school analog G meter, uh, we also have a digital G meter that you'll see in the heads up display, and then uh, old standby compass up here, the whiskey compass. Moving down on the right side, so this is where I would set up my countermeasure system. So if I had an ECM pod, a jamming pod on the airplane, any chaff, flare, uh, any programs I want to run, that's all done right here. Uh, master caution panel, so any cautions I have, I get the master caution flashing up here, and then I can see exactly what system it is uh, down here. Uh, here's just a control panel, turn the batteries on, inverters, APU generator, my engine dri driven generators right there, so the electrical power panel. Uh, oxygen regulator. Um, here again, this is the OBOG system, so it's generating its own oxygen. This is my CDU, so uh, I believe it stands for Central Data Unit, but it, uh, it's where all my steer points, all my navigation data is stored. Also where I would store targets and all the information that I'm taking out on the airplane. Not as robust as a newer off-the-shelf civilian system. Again, this is a military spec system, so it's not as robust in what they can function, but it also handles things like the vibration to the gun a little bit better than what a civilian system would. Uh, so it can store up to about 2,000 waypoints in here, uh, but that's about it. So you can't just fly across the country. You actually got to do some mission planning, and you cut a card, and you program this uh, prior to you coming out to the airplane. You bring that card with you, and they load it up. Here's where you just kind of control that CDU. And then right here is uh, my ECS system, so environmental control systems. You defog canopy, windshield defog de-off, de-ice. you got a windshield rain remove. It'll just blow bleed air across that windscreen to get rid of the rain. Um, also where you can turn on that windshield wash. You can turn off your bleed air, your main air supply, uh, temp press, so you can go ram dump, i.e. like I had a, if I had an electrical fire in the airplane, I can go ram and just get fresh air ramming into the cockpit uh, and get rid of that smoke pretty easy. Cabin air conditioning system. Here you can just get it cold. Uh, if you got a good one, you can get some uh, nice air conditioning going in the summer, uh, or you can go super hot with it as well. So you can change the flow level and temp on that. And then here's my lighting control panel. So uh, position lights, anti-collision lights, those formation lights we talked about outside. Uh, engine instrument lighting, so all the cockpit lighting. Uh, nozzle loom is one where we have uh, some lights out there on the station that will illuminate the stations, and it helps the guys loading up the airplane and arming up the weapons. So you'll turn those on on the ground, and then it just gives them a little spotlight right on the pylons uh, for them to look and see what they're doing. And you got your standard flight instrument lighting. Here, so this is my cord where I plug into that uh, Hemix system, the helmet-mounted queuing system, which this one is actually, we just got a new system called Hobbit, which is just a little bit more accurate than what the Hemix was, but functionality is overall the same. So I would plug in my helmet into this, and then it would attach to my harness right here. And that's what ties it into the airplane. Here's where you would con 
control that system and really all you can do is just turn it on, turn it off. All the rest of the controls are going to be via the multifunction displays up front. And then you have your standard old school TACAN and ILS. So no VOR in the A10, no GPS approaches. I can either fly a TACAN approach or I can fly an ILS approach and that's it. Um, so hopefully they keep all those Vortex out there running because that's how we get around. All right, and then uh, I believe that's it. That's all I got for the cockpit of the A-10. Hopefully you guys learned something. If you have any questions, uh, hopefully you can find a way to get at us at the A-10 demo team on Instagram or Facebook. Okay, everybody, that was our episode on the A-10 Thunderbolt. We hope you guys enjoyed that. Thank you again to Major Cody Shiv Wilton for coming on our podcast and discussing this wonderful aircraft with us. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, that'll wrap it up for this week. We hope you guys uh, thank you all for tuning in this week and listening and giving uh, me the support I needed. So everybody, that'll do it. Uh, make sure to follow me on Instagram, Aviation Avenue Pod. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, Aviation Avenue. Become a patron at patreon.com slash aviationavenue. Uh, check out my website at www.podpage.com slash aviation-avenue-podcast. Make sure to subscribe to my podcast using the link in any uh, podcast platform. And we will talk to you guys next week here on the Aviation Avenue Podcast. So long for now, everybody.